This is the Faraway Farm Boy podcast, episode number seven. My guest today is a nutritionist with Nutrisource, a company based near Granham, Alberta. Nutrisource has a great reputation in Alberta, but other than that, I don't know too much about them. So I sat down with someone I've seen at a ton of local dairy industry events. Please welcome all-around good guy, Adam Megarell. Adam, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Very well. Thank you, Dustin. Good to be here. Um, tell me a bit about Nutrisource and the background. So Nutrisource started um, in 2005, and the two original owners, actually there's three original owners, was uh, Jeff Nielsen, Jeff Pascoe, and Henry Hayes was actually one of the original owners. He's a dairy farmer north of Fort McLeod. And, uh, he, yeah, I've he, heard of him, yeah. Yeah, so he... Um, he had uh, some land there for them, and they they were able to build on the, on the dry corner of one of his quarters, and uh, so he was really instrumental in in getting this business started. That's um, up towards Granham, right? Yeah, east of Granham. Yeah, okay. between Granham and uh, Nobleford. So yeah, um, so yeah, so he they they started this business. Um, they wanted to do something a little bit different. Kind of, kind of. The big quote that they like to talk about is revolutionize the the feed industry, and it's uh, quite quite the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 a uh, it's a big yeah it's 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 a it was the original um, um, business five, plan. Five you guys or something, right? Yeah, so there was originally, it was Jeff Nielsen, Jeff Pascoe, and then Henry Hayes, and then Nutrition Partners were original owners okay. as well. And then uh, Terry Reimer and, and myself came on as well, and, and we were able to buy in. Um, and uh, now Henry Hayes is uh, no longer involved, and uh, Nutrition Partners are no longer involved as well. So, um, But yeah, they had a vision of trying to, to, um, to do things a little bit differently. Um, we have uh, one thing we do is we don't use any any animal uh, proteins in in the feed. Okay. And also, is that like like blood uh, blood proteins and stuff? You don't use any of those? No, no, okay. we don't use any blood blood meal or or any of those. So, um, what's the, other, the benefit of using something like that? So, um, or added protein, obviously. But yeah, why don't you guys use it? I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah. So we 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 feel that. Uh, that uh, plant proteins are a little bit more consistent when you test them from load to load than than some of these byproducts. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, so the, we've we've seen before where blood meal, you know, you could have uh, sixty crude protein on one load and eighty crude protein on another load. So hmm. it, it it can be very variable. Um, where we 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 buy a bypass protein source. Um, that, you know, we test, you know, many loads coming in and it's, it's very consistent, uh, canola meal, the meal we buy, um, some of those other products, they're, they're a little bit more consistent on crude protein. So, um, so we, we find that's, uh, and then also part of their business plan was when this was, you know, they started after BSE came about. So that was part of, uh, another discussion was, was not having, uh, any animal proteins in the mill as well. So. So okay. they, they decided to do that and then also went with no antibiotics in the mill as well. So so it kind of gives us... Uh, as opposed to other mills, they'd have like chicken feed and stuff or, or even... Is there heifer feed that has antibiotics? Oh, I guess... Uh, decox. Yeah, decox would be one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not approved for lactating dairy cows. Right. So yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so there's, there's, uh, you know, there's, uh, some reasons why that was designed originally the way it was. And, and now we've actually, there's, there's been a couple, uh, instances where there's been some tetracycline on dairy farms and, yeah. and we're, you know, we're, we're glad that we don't uh, have the chance of contamination right, uh, yeah. from our field feed. So, yeah. um, yeah. And it's a 15 year old company. So we're 15 years into, uh, into, uh, into the business so you guys are a pretty big presence here in southern alberta you guys uh go up north or where else are you guys yeah so we have so this is your main mill by granham there right yeah so we have a mill uh, about 12 miles east of granham uh we also have a premix facility just north of red deer okay and then we have a feed mill in uh, pinoka as well okay and the Pinoka mill actually does quite a bit more volume than than the Granum mill. So, um, so we feed. Uh, we're we're we have a, a substantial presence in in central Alberta as well. So, uh, just with dairy, or you guys uh, feed a lot of beef up there? I yeah. know mostly around here it's dairy, right? Yeah. So, the, out of the Pinoka mill, it'd be all dairy feed coming out of there. All dairy feed. Yeah. Okay. So we we've got a fairly big presence uh, in central Alberta as well. Um, yeah, a lot of the beef minerals are coming out of the the uh, premix plant in in Red Deer. So, huh? Yeah. What would you say is your uh, a percentage of dairy versus beef? Is it like ninety percent dairy farms that you feed, or? Yeah. So, our, yeah, the the original Nutrisource was kind of designed um, to feed dairy only. So now. Now we've got kind of uh, um, another stream. It's called Bullseye. So that one uh, they cover on the beef side. Um, it's growing every day, and and uh, we we are growing quite quickly. Um, we're probably growing faster right now on the beef side than we are on the dairy side. Um, but yeah, as for cow numbers, um, you know, um, I think yeah, I think we're probably feeding, getting close to feeding more beef cows than okay. than dairy cows. So. And any other. Uh animals like you guys got bunny feed or no, no. what are their new products you guys uh yeah so coming out yeah so you know we were talking a little bit off air about um you know some new new additives and and one of the okay. new new additives uh that's come out is is chromium it's it's registered now in canada and uh yeah this is this is really an exciting new new product and I've started to get into a few few of the herds that I look after, um, but um, it is a uh, it is a lot of people say that in the future this will be considered an essential nutrient, hmm. so just like salt and iodine and magnesium and and that sort of thing. But it's not in the NRC right now. It's not required as an required nutrient. What's the NRC? Uh, so it's a it's a regulation body through the CFIA that regulates. Um, what our mineral levels should be on, oh, okay. on farm and how we feed cows and, and that sort of thing. So, so the, um, anyway, so it's a regulation body that re- governs us, right. To, uh, huh. be able to set our guidelines of, of where the minerals can be at. And, oh, I didn't uh, know that. yeah. So anyway, so then, uh, yeah, this chromium, um, so what it does, um, typically with cows calve, they are insulin resistant. So, Insulin insulin controls um, IgGs. Uh, no, it controls uh, how much glucose goes into the the cells and 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 uh, the uptake of glucose and and uh, and energy into the muscles and cells. This so, is in the blood. In the blood, yeah. Okay. 
So what, what chromium does is, um, yeah, right around calving, the, the cows actually get insulin res resistant and they can't uptake a pile of glucose at that point. So um, typically when cows calve, they lose 10%, 10 to 11% of their body weight. Right. Where, uh, so they've kind of got insulin receptors that, um, that are blocked. So what chromium does is kind of goes into the cells and then unblocks these receptors. Huh. So it allows um, uh, insulin to be registered and then uh, glucose flows into the, the cells easier and better. And uh, so using chromium, they're seeing uh, better intakes, they're seeing better, um, uh, less weight loss post-calving. Uh, they're talking 7 to 8% uh, weight loss instead of 10 to 11%. Um, so it's, it's kind of an exciting new, new product. And it's, you know, I've been in the feed industry for about 18 years. And this okay. is one of the new, newer, exciting uh, additives that we, we have in our toolbox that, that if farmers sure. are looking for something um, we can add. So help yeah. cows transition better. And yeah, so it's, there's uh, some wor work on, you know, on it as well as less metritis and less uh, ketosis and, you know, those uh, other side effects as well. But typically if you can have the cow lose less weight, you're going to get uh, right. uh, a, a lot healthier cow and she's going to eat better post calving and, and that sort of thing. So. so how do you deliver that? Is that in a uh, close up pellet or what? What does that look like? Yeah, so we, we um, you, you would feed it the close-up cows for 21 days, and then you would feed it to the lactating cows as well. Um, you know, it's about 12 cents. Like a fresh group if you had it, or, or yeah. you feed it to everyone? Yeah, that would be ideal, because um, they're seeing some benefits on how cows peak and how fast they take off post-calving. Okay. So, you know, all these additives, they all cost money, right? So, sure, yeah. Um, so, you know, ideally is if you could feed it to the fresh cows and uh, just a fresh and a high group, and then the low group wouldn't, uh, wouldn't get it. Uh, would be ideal, but right. you know, typical dairies in this area are one group TMRs, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So especially it, uh, the smaller ones, right? Yeah, yeah. How is that different than like uh, uh, what do you call that zeolite, or is that the same thing? Or yeah, so we we've got a yeah that product called Exolite. So okay. it's um, it is a uh, calcium binder, right? So okay. it's it's a little bit different. Uh, product and what it does but it's also uh, a transition cow type. that's right yeah oh, it's used on transition cows too and it actually you know when cows blood calcium is is good then cows actually eat better right. as well so it's kind of a kind of does uh, similar things right and right uh, but this uh chromium is is basically it's in your mineral it's just something right. you add to your mineral it's not like a, that's right yeah a standalone product that you offer transition cows no no it would be in the supplement it would be i, I see it, yeah exactly yeah. so yeah um so what's next for nutrisource so yeah nutrisource is uh is growing we're we're into saskatchewan now and actually actually we got into manitoba as well okay um so we're feeding i think we're feeding uh around thirty five thousand dairy cows in in the three uh, dairy um prairie provinces so okay. um and growing uh, growing quite quickly so um we're, we're, yeah, we, we wanted to kind of get into the Manitoba market and that's, uh, how do you guys feed farms in Manitoba? Cause all three of your mills are in Alberta, right? Yeah. So we, we've got some relationships with other feed companies. Oh, I see. So okay. yeah. So there'll be some toll manufacturing in, uh, in Manitoba for us. So, huh. yeah. 
Um, tell me a bit about your story. Uh, I, you're known best around the industry for your time in WHL, and right. I know you played for University of Manitoba, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I guess tell me uh, how you got into uh, being a nutritionist and yeah and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it's uh, so I grew up on a farm south of Winnipeg, and and grew up there, and and. Uh, you know, we had cattle and, and grain and, and, uh, you know, one thing my dad always brought is he had a passion for hockey and we, we worked hard, but he always made time for us to go to practices and, and, uh, that sort of thing. So we also had a passion for hockey and, and, uh, yeah, so kind of, um, uh, yeah, I ended up getting into the Western league, started in Brandon, um, got listed there and then uh, made it as a uh, end of my year, a 16 year old year. And then uh, full time as a 17 year old. I'm not a hockey guy. So you're going to have to go a little bit deeper than that. Sure. What's sure. like, so you, you grew up in minor hockey and then yeah. I guess the biggest name uh, that people would know, like what's the, the team that you go, you would go into at 16. So, yeah. So, so minor hockey, um, you know, 15, 16, I would be tra- I played uh, triple A midget in uh, Pemina Valley Hawks. So that was in Morden, Manitoba. Okay. So we lived just outside of Winnipeg and we had to drive about an hour and a half to hour and 45 minutes for practices. So, Ooh. so we, we did <laughs> Dedicated that. Dedicated family. Yeah. So I know my dad always would joke that, uh, he ended up buying this full sign, full size, uh, uh, van diesel van and he said in three years i don't think he turned it off and, and uh, <laughs> we had about four hundred thousand clicks in three years of driving to hockey and that sort of thing so so he, we spent a lot of time on the road and a lot of time in uh, in wintry conditions trying to get to yeah. games and practices and and uh but anyway he started uh in a playing triple a midget there as a 15 year old and a 16 year old and then once uh, our team lost out in playoffs and I got called up to Brandon Weekings, so I played the last ten games or so with Brandon, and and then uh, that next. This was year, in the the nineties. That would have been uh, ninety two. Okay. I believe yeah. So, um, so that was ninety two, and then ninety three. I was a full time uh, player there, and then on Weekings. On the Weekings. So you would have been sixteen. Seventeen. I would have been seventeen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and then yeah. Were you a big kid or were you just? Uh, obviously you're talented but uh yeah like how did it feel to be 17 and in whl yeah it was a great great experience like it uh i still remember <laughs> one of my first games um you know back in the day with hockey in the western league it was a little rougher than it is now <laughs> and uh, we were sitting there and i was i was not playing a whole lot i probably had probably five shifts in the game and it was in brandon and we were playing medicine hat tigers and I'm sitting there, and we end up having a line brawl, and uh, everybody went at it. The goalies went at it. <laughs> I'm sitting on the bench, and you know my knees, knees were shaking, and and uh, anyway, so then uh, actually, and then a few guys went in the box, and they were having a stick fight over the box at each nice. other, and and it was just crazy. So I'm looking up at my dad in the stands, you know, like I hope they don't put me out there, kind of thing, right? <laughs> so. So anyway, it was a little, you know, it was pretty, pretty intimidating at that age to, to get into a league like that. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, I had the height, but, you know, okay. I was only about 170, 175 pounds, right? So you're playing yeah. against guys who are 200 plus and full beards and... And have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. And everybody's <laughs> uh, trying to impress the scouts and everything else. And, right. and uh, so it was a pretty... Just like, just like at my beer league games. Yeah. <laughs> trying to impress right. the scouts and they're, they're there, they're hiding, but yeah. they're there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah so um so yeah I played as a 17 year old and then ended up getting drafted as an 18 year old to Philadelphia 
And uh, so that was an exciting time. That was in 94, yeah. Okay. And uh, and uh, ended up uh, going to the draft. It was in Hartford. And, and wow. uh, so it was quite a good experience. And got to meet everybody in Philadelphia and do a bunch of pictures and, and hang out with... Uh, with family and so how does that how does the uh the draft work like were you uh, something overall like your what number pick were you or? yeah so i was 88th overall so fourth round okay. pick and and uh yeah through that i ended up getting actually a hockey card deal oh yeah <laughs> and uh huh. got a rookie card and got to sign and made a few bucks off of that and huh. and uh yeah so it was an exciting time in my life and and uh yeah so that uh that was, yeah, I was full on board, kind of pursuing hockey, and, and that was, uh, you know, obviously uh, living on the, growing up on the farm too, and having that farm experience as well, and so I had interest in both, you know, agriculture and and hockey, and and then uh, end up, um, yeah, getting drafted, so then I was like, okay, let's let's push towards, uh, you know, maybe make, making some money or making a career in, right, in yeah. hockey, right, so... And then, yeah, then my next year, I uh, ended up getting into a pretty serious car accident and uh, um, ended up getting hit by a motorcycle and turned out I was in the hospital for about a month. and, and had Turned a, out? Like you well, didn't know? Well, I did, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I ended up being in the hospital for a month and, and uh, 30% of my body was burned. And, and, really? And, uh, yeah, so that at that point, that... Um, uh, was actually kind of a, you know, time in my life where my, you know, what was important to me kind of changed. And, uh, anyway, so then at that point, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe my passion for hockey kind of, you know, you know, kind of waned at that point and, and, mm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, so then, yeah, I finished my junior career, actually I ended up getting traded, um, to Spokane and finished my junior career, played as a 20 year old in Spokane. Okay. Um, tried out a couple times in Philadelphia and then tried out in Phoenix, my actually my last year, uh, for the Coyotes. Um, oh, okay. And then had some offers to, to, um, um, yeah, play in the East Coast League and, okay. and yeah. AHL and stuff like that, or IHL, sorry. And, uh, decided to go to university and, the way the Western League works is that every year you play, um, you get a year of university paid for. So I played five years. So it, as soon as you sign a uh, pro contract, that is nullified. So um, so I had to kind of make a decision at that point too, whether I wanted to go pro or whether I wanted to uh, go the university right. route. So um, yeah, I decided to uh, use those funds to, to get an education. So end up in University of Manitoba and uh, actually I played played hockey there one year as well um, and then went into um, actually started in agronomy I was interested in agronomy um, I thought actually I went into agronomy mainly because I thought that's where the jobs were I uh, really, little did you know yeah so, the jobs and the money were not there <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so then uh, about halfway through actually after my year second year in university I was like, you know what? I'm not super passionate about agronomy. I'm more passionate about animals and that sort of thing. So I switched to animal science, and that was the best thing I ever did. Um, and uh, right away, as soon as I went into animal science, my grades went up. Um, you could tell that, uh, or teachers could tell too, that uh, I was more passionate about uh, the animal side of it. And and uh, yeah, glad I I went into that and ended up getting an animal science degree. And uh, 
Yeah, there's nothing worse than sitting in a class that you care nothing about. Right. <laughs> one right. of those. I think it was uh, something about horses or something. <laughs> I, I took a year of uh, livestock production. It was a mm. certificate course, but right, to right. sit through equine management, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, you do what you got to do to get your, uh, get your certificate, right? So yeah. it's, um, anyway... Yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of you know how I got into uh, into this that side. And actually, when I was going through university, uh, my last two years I was working for actually my last year I was working for Elite Swine, uh, a company out of Manitoba. Okay. And uh, anyway, so they I just um, I was working on the hog side. You know, um, had a job offer there. Um, but then I was, um, still in class and that, and, and I thought, you know what, there's a bunch of job opportunities posted in the university. I said, you know what, I'm going to go through a couple job interviews and, and see if there's something else out there that would be more interest to me and end up, um, um, actually Unifeed and Armstrong were looking for a head nutritionist. And, uh, so I interviewed for that. Um, they said I had a great interview, but they said I'm, you know, I don't have my master's, so they they'd like someone with their master's or PhD for that position. But they said, uh, you know what, there's a, a company looking for a guy in Lethbridge if you're interested. And they passed my resume on, and kind of the rest is history. Uh, we kind of moved out, and and uh, huh. I wanted to get into sales, and then it was on the cattle side, and I was like, oh, you know, I'd love to be on the cattle side, and and uh, what was your farm at home actually? So so we had about 300 beef cows. Okay. And then uh, about 2,500 acres of cash crop. Okay. Uh, so you kind of knew the, the cattle side of things a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that uh, was always of interest to me and, and actually had a little, little I had probably 20 or 22 purebred animals myself and <laughs> purebred Samatol. So I was uh, doing that and I had some land as well that I had bought um, at 16 as well. So, um, so yeah, so I had... You know, there was some interest of, of maybe farming as well, but um, I know we, we had a family meeting when we were, we, when we were quite young, and uh, actually my older, second older brother, John, who's, uh, who's on the farm right now, showed the most interest at that time. So, so we all said, yeah, you know what, if, if he wants the, the debt and the, and the risk and everything else, then, then he, can, he can farm. So anyway... Um, but yeah, so decide to, you know, the, the nice thing about doing what I do now is that I'm still in agriculture. I'm still, you know, seeing the cows, dealing, you know, being right. the, you know, hopefully a good influence on, in agriculture and, and, uh, and helping guys. So it's, it's still been quite rewarding career. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we're sure glad to have you in the industry. I know you're a, you're a big part of it. So yeah. I know you guys are, Nutrisource as a company is quite involved in the uh, industry sponsoring different events here and there and whatever. So yeah, it's, it's something that we love doing and being part of. And it's, uh, we're, we're definitely, it's, it's easy. It's easy for us to sponsor things that are in right. agriculture. And we do a lot with uh, 4-H as well. And we love sponsoring okay. kids and, and that sort of thing as well. So uh, tell me about your family. You got uh, wife and kids? <clears throat> yeah, so my wife, her name is Dana. Uh, she actually grew up in Winnipeg. We met uh, actually going to church uh, in Winnipeg. And and, uh, and then I got three boys, uh, Easton, Jed, and Brady. So um, they're 18, 16, and, and 14. So, um, yeah, my 18-year-old is uh, just, he was actually supposed to go to Providence College and 
in uh, Manitoba. Um, okay. It's actually a, a, a small Bible college, and and uh, he ended up um, uh, with COVID. You know, uh, it was everything was changing there, right? More online and oh yeah, and that sort of thing. So he's like, ah, you know, I don't know, I really want to go there if I don't get the full experience of of, yeah. uh, of the whole situation. So he's actually living at home, and he's uh, working at the food market in Coaldale, and and he uh, takes a couple online courses at the university so Shoot, hey? so yeah so his plans have kind of changed and then uh i got a 16 year old who uh who just or jed just made uh, spruce grove saints in uh, in uh, spruce grove it's a junior a team and okay and uh so yeah so that's kind of exciting so he's the only 16 year old on the team and and uh yeah he's doing yeah sorry if i'm not shocked i just i don't yeah. know minor <laughs> hockey very well so yeah no worries so yeah spruce grove it's typically Brooks Bandits and Spruce Grove are the top two teams in, in Alberta, junior okay. hockey. So so he's in a real good situation with some real good people around him. And, and, uh, a lot yeah. of politics getting him into something like that, or is it just kind of blown up? Yeah, it's, it's um, I guess, the, you know, part of the reason why he's there as well is that this last summer he, or sorry, last winter he got listed by Seattle, um, uh, Thunderbirds, which is in the Western League, so um, so he got listed by them, and the owners of Seattle also own Spruce Grove. Okay, Saints. like listed, they were scouting him or something. Or? Yeah, so okay. they they were scouting him and they they listed. So he's they are on he's on their fifty man protected list, I guess you would call it. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So then uh, you can either go th- like they have the Bantam draft as well. So either you get drafted. Or, you know, they leave a few spots open and then they scout and they, they list guys. So um, just put them on their protected list. Um, so anyway, so so there's some affiliation with Seattle and Spruce Grove. So I think that's another reason why they want him there as well. So, um, but yeah, he's doing doing well. And then uh, I got a 14-year-old who's uh, going to school in Coaldale. And he's actually playing AAA Bantam in Medicine Hat this year. Cool. So so yeah. So we got uh, all three boys played hockey and and huh. have loved the game and and uh, yeah. So and we're busy. We like uh, running them around and watching them. So <laughs> yeah, I guess you gotta you gotta like driving and uh, yeah, like sitting in cold drinks, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, What's next for the uh, dairy industry? I know you guys do dairy and beef, obviously, but uh, yeah. what do you think for the uh, dairy industry? Yeah, I think there's always, you know, I think there's always opportunities and there's always challenges. Um, you know, I think this whole USMCA thing is, we'll have to kind of see how it all plays out and and uh, how that impacts the dairy industry. Um, you know, I think... Um, you know, there's lots of discussion over the P5 and P10 into the dairy industry and how that's going to impact uh, dairy farmers and, and, you know, the West especially, right? Because it's, uh, there's some big, big picture and big uh, decisions that have to be made uh, coming up that I think affect uh, dairy farmers. Um, you know, as for, you know, um, you know, what we do and how we impact the dairy industry, we're always looking for ideas and new technologies and new innovative stuff. Um, you know, one thing that we're doing right now is, uh, we're doing a, it's a milk fatty acid project. So what we're doing is, uh, for our guys is we're, we're, um, taking samples of the, of the milk 
uh, do an analysis on it and seeing where the butter fat comes from. So okay. does it come from the cow herself and how she, uh, her rumen works or how she's fed or how, um, uh, you know, if there's uh, crowding or enough bunk space or is there slug feeding, all these different things that can affect butter fat. Um, and then there's a mixed profile um, where it comes from the cow and it comes a little bit from the diet. And then there's dietary um, products that we put in to affect butter fat. So, so we can now we can sample the the milk fat and and if we can get some ideas of where everything should be, um, you know, if a if a guy comes to us and says, "Hey, our, my milk fat's depressed. How can we bring it up?" Um, if we can get some good handle on that, maybe we can just take a sample of his milk and say, "Hey, you know what? It's coming from DeNova." Maybe it's something more barn related that that needs to be looked at. You know how you're feeding. You know are you pushing up enough times a day? You know all these different things um, that can oh. affect uh, the de nova fat. Um, or you know if is the the fat that she's producing from the additives that we put in is that low? Okay, then we can just add a couple hundred grams of palm fat or something like that to oh, influence see. palm or the butter fat. So. So it's, it's a kind of exciting uh, time. Um, you know, I think there's always changes. You know, one thing I've always loved about being in the dairy industry is it, it's so dynamic and there's always changes going on. Mm -hmm. And there's always, um, you know, um, new research and, and uh, things we can do to, to help uh, make healthy cows and, and produce what, you know, farmers are looking for. Um, but yeah, this is, is exciting, uh, part of sure, coming yeah. forward, I think as well. So what, um, what are farmers looking for, uh, on average, would you say, as opposed to 10 years ago, like what services are you guys offering that, uh, like what have farmers required of a nutritionist? Yeah, like it, it's, it's quite a bit different. Like if you look at, uh, you know, back in the day when I first started, um, you know, it, it's really, really changed, right? Um, you know, now we got robots, um, and it's not just one robot. It's it's probably, what, we're five, six, seven different companies that are bringing robots on, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, not only do we need to be experts in in, in, uh, in designing feed rations and, and looking at, at cows and, and uh, you know, all that other stuff, we got to know how to feed them in robots. We got to know how the each program works to help you know guys set up feed tables and you know that sort of thing. And and you know there's so much information on robots on these robots too to uh, be able to see you know making sure your cows are peaking at the right amount you know at the right amount of days post calving. You know are they peaking right? You know all these different aspects of it, right? So mm -hmm. so they all have different programs. So you got to kind of sure learn yeah, you got to know them all, yeah. Right. So you got to take upgrading for that and and huh. uh, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's new newer ration balancing programs as well. So you got to get up to speed with them um, as well. The other thing that we're doing that I think is maybe a little bit different than a lot of the other feed companies is we're really looking at the forage side of things and uh and really diving into that um there's a whole bunch of work now on on looking at different forages um you, we, we look at italian ryegrass as a real viable option for guys hmm. um italian ryegrass is is probably the most digestible grass in the world um, it can be as high as 80 80 some percent uh, ndf digestibility um, so if you look at your your total tmr total mixed ration um, 50, 50 to 55% will be forage, um, mm -hmm. 40 to 
45 to 50% will be grain, right? So um, of that grain portion, we know that 90 to 95% of that grain, if it's processed properly, is going to be digested by the cow. Um, on the forage side, we find that there's there's a lot of different um, digestibilities of the forages. Sure, yeah. um, Alfalfa, for example, you know, a lot of guys grow alfalfa because it grows well in southern Alberta and it's we're dry and we're a real dry climate. Yeah. So alfalfa is a really good option for growing. But, you know, even when you cut alfalfa early in the bud stage and cut it quite young, um, it still really only has up to 50% of its forage NDF digestible. Right. Whereas some of these other forages can be up to 80% digestible. So if we can get forages more, we, we see more upside on the forage side of, of getting these cows to digest more of the forages. So, How um, would you get a rumen mat, though, if you want all your forages to be 80% digestible? Yeah. Would so you that's, just put straw in there, like a cheaper... Well, that's the exciting out. thing about some of these other options, right? Because typically when you, when you cut um, alfalfa young you could be 32 NDF, right? So you don't, you got very, very low NDF, right? Um, some of these grass, you know, Italian ryegrass could be 42 NDF. So you're getting more fiber in there with more digestibility by growing a different option. So um, a lot of times you, you go with the alfalfa and you cut it early, you're adding straw in there to get enough NDF in there to have that rumen function properly, get a good rumen mat and not have that feed go too right. fast through the cow. Yeah. Um, so if we can have the fiber and the digestibility in one, one in the forage, right. we're probably better off than adding straw, right? So, right. so that's kind of what we're mm. looking at. Um, we've also got another product called uh, Master Graze. Um, it's a 90-day corn. So it, it grows for, for 90 days and then you chop it. And you don't, it, 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 it starts to silk like it, a cob is coming, but there's no cob on the plant. Oh, okay, so, kind of like Sudan grass or something like that then, similar? Yeah, okay. so it's a similar type of thing. Um, but this stuff has really high sugar in it. Right, so yeah. you, you can break the stem off and, and take a bite out of it and it tastes, right. uh, it tastes like sugar, right? Huh. So, so Master grease? Master grease, yeah. Huh. So that's, it'll, you know, it'll give guys a little bit different option, but... Um, it, it can be also 75 to 80% digestible as well. And when can, when you've put that stuff in front of the cows, the cows just come running. They want to right. eat that and they want to consume it, but they digest it. You do a manure screen and you look at it and it, they digest those fibers. Like it's it's absolutely amazing. And so, where are guys growing that? Is that, uh, has to be irrigated or? Uh, yeah, well, it should be irrigated. Okay. Um, you know, it would it would have similar d demands as, as a regular corn. It, it actually gets, oh, once okay. it tassels, it gets close to a corn height. It, it grows a little slower than, than regular conventional corn does, but it, it will finish. Um, well, you could get, you can get 100-day corn, can't you? Yeah, like there are some of the corn varieties that are getting, getting uh, lower heat units all the time. Right. So, um, so I think there are... Um, uh, yeah, other other products out there, but this is a little bit different. It's actually they actually say it's like a four thousand heat unit corn, so you're actually taking it kind of like as a as a, a infant or baby stage of corn, right? So it's it's okay. uh, you know if you think about it that way, um, so it it but it's full of sugar, 
Like it, it's right. a plant, like it's different than regular conventional corn. It's full of sugar. Yeah. So we, it comes off and you take it off and it's 80, 82% moisture. Huh. So it's, it's extremely wet. You would cut it quite long. So if you can get it to three quarters of an inch or an inch long, uh, that would be better to hold some moisture in it. And but, so you cut it with a mower then, or or do you cut it with a chopper? No, no you cut it with your, your corn, uh, oh, corn okay. header and corn chopper, and, and you just go right in and mow it down like you would uh, huh. your regular corn. Um, but it keeps very well because it, it's full of sugar, so it, it produces a lot of lactic acid or it makes a lot of lactic acid from the sugar. And uh, it, it keeps extremely well. Um, because the acids are so high, you'll very rarely get any mold or any kind of um, huh. face uh, issues uh, with your pit. Um, but yeah, we've got a few guys around the Picture Butte area that are trying it this year. And, and uh, so far, the results have been pretty good. So How are they balancing their ration? Like, what else are they putting in there? Just, just like you would with corn, just hay and, and something else? And yeah, so what I'm doing right now is, is um, you know, I would you know, take your typical conventional corn silage, it's, you know, 25 to 30% starch, and just replacing it pound or kg per kg on dry matter. So you're going from real high starch diet to a real low starch diet with a lot of lactic acid and sugar. Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, it has the same energy that a regular conventional corn would have without the starch. If you can understand that, so right. it's um, but you need the starch to some extent too, don't you? No, as long as we got the fermentable carbohydrates in there that we need to huh. feed the bugs, we don't need the starch. Interesting. So it's a little bit different way of feeding, and it, it actually we think it makes the cows healthier because they're not you know on the edge of maybe being acidotic at times with the amount of starch that they need to. Uh, consume and the bacteria they need to break down so hmm. um so it's it's kind of yeah it's kind of you know we we're trying to uh to uh, bring ideas to farmers that can really help them and and you know even in the last year we had that winter storm in september yeah right? a year ago we had 10 foot drifts here yeah and it was yeah. just an absolute just a nightmare trying to get that conventional corn silage off oh yeah right yeah, on yeah. equipment and everything else so if we have another option where you can take this off September 1st, you kind of take the weather out of it a little bit too. Right. And the other thing that Master Grace, that Master Grace does is it tillers. So it has, you put one seed in and it have six tillers. Okay. So if you get hailed out, it'll grow back because okay. it's a different type of, type of product. Huh. Um, so it's, I think it, it, it changes the risk profile of what you're growing and uh, kind of limits the risk on, on uh, some of the other products um, you're growing on the farm too. So, hmm. so it's, uh, yeah, so we're, we're trying to bring, bring ideas and bring solutions to farmers that can really help them. And, and uh, we think a couple of these products will, will be good for guys. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. I, uh, like I said, we really appreciate uh, Nutrisource um, in the industry and, and, uh, you know, um, all their sponsoring of events and all that stuff. So, and, uh, yeah, it was nice to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Dawson. Good to be here. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Faraway Farm Boy podcast, episode number seven with Adam Megarell from Nutrisource. Join me again next week. <laughs>